Hey Playwright, I'm Tori Rice. And I'm Mabel Reynoso. And welcome to Hey Playwright. A podcast about playwriting and life. Hey Mabel. Hey Tori. Wow, here we are. Here we are, face to face. <laughs> a couple of silver spoons. Are you allowed to sing that? You're, now you're going to have to cut it. I think I think um, it was so poorly <laughs> sung that the censors will allow it. <laughs> so I've been wondering, when you were growing up, do you feel like as a, a youth that you had a voice? You know, do you feel like you were you were heard or? No, I grew up in a household that was very much um, children are to be seen and not heard. Um, children. And so I grew up, it was my sister and me, and my mother took great pride in our appearance. And so we would, we were always dressed very well and our hair was always done very neatly. And I mean, she would, she would have us dressed in our little matching outfits with our bobby socks and our patent leather shoes and our red wool coats. Um, and, and that was it. That was our voice, our, our presence, our image of like these polished little girls. That was it. And, and do not speak, especially do not ever speak while adults are speaking. If, if you interject in a conversation between adults, oh, bad news. So absolutely not. I did not have a voice when I was a child. My voice, my voice was, I think that might have been why I was, I was a writer because that's the only time. I was able to express myself was on the page. Oh, wow. To this day. <laughs> to this day. Yeah. 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 How about you? Um, I feel when I was growing up that I, I did have a voice and, and expression was encouraged as long as I wasn't talking back, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, but as far as uh, what I wore, which was limited. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, you know? Um, so, but definitely I don't remember my parents, my mom ever f making me look a certain way. I think there is a lot of freedom of expression and definitely I lived in story though. I loved to read stories. I loved to tell stories. I loved to write even from a very early age. So I think that my fantasy world, my imagination was, I, I just, I lived in it and really enjoyed that space. You've been writing stories since you were a wee lassie, right? Mm -hmm. Same as me. And so yes. what do you think we've talked about observation is really important, but what do you think what what do you think is the key is observation the key to being a good storyteller i think observation is part of it but i know in the past i've said listening observing but i really think the number one thing is curiosity to just continue to stay curious right i think it's what leads us to wonder about these characters that we write about and the situations that they find themselves in even if it's about ourselves, staying curious about our own human condition and investigating that, right? Doing some self-reflection or soul searching. Sometimes it ends up in plays. Okay, a lot of the time it ends up in plays. <laughs> so today, Tori, is actually a very special show. 
It's a two-for-one, and I love two-for-one deals. You know me. Oh, yes. Any no. way to save a buck. <laughs> no coupon needed. Because it's so exciting to talk to young, curious people, we are going to be talking to a young, curious playwright today, Tori! Our guest today is Jordan Marie Finley, a 19-year-old actress, dancer, and writer from San Diego, California. She is currently pursuing degrees in CCS writing and literature and the BFA in acting programs at UC Santa Barbara. Jordan was the winner of the 2020 California Young Playwrights Contest with her original play, Feliz Cumpleaños. She is also the 2021 winner with her play, The Love Project. It's being produced in March of 2021. Her play, Why We March, was produced as part of the Amplify Initiative at UCSB in November of 2020. She has acted and written scenes for Impact on Stage and is also a poet and editorial intern for her campus, UCSB. Some of Jordan's favorite acting roles have been Charlotte in The White Card at UCSB. I actually saw her in that. Um, Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing at UCSB and Camillo in The Winter's Tale at the Old Globe Theater. Welcome, Jordan Marie Finley. Woo! Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Did your bio say you were 19? Yeah. Dang. Look at her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. All all of the things that you've accomplished and um and where you're going. It's very exciting. So excited to have you on the podcast. I hate listening to my bio read. It just keeps going. And I'm like, what am I doing? That's a good thing. You want it to keep going. You do. So Jordan, I know you. Uh Uh-huh. I know you. Um I met you when last year or the year before? When last, I last year. 2020? No, I met yeah. you in 2019. I met you in 2019. Oh, you're right. You're right. Our journey started in 2019 because I was the dramaturg for Feliz Cumpleaños. And, um, and I learned so much from that process. Um, I learned a lot of new language. Yes. <laughs> you, are, you are teaching me about the young people and the young people the youth the youth yes you're teaching about the youth and you are but but i will say that um our relationship started out with me being the dramaturg and kind of guiding you through the process because i was also as i've mentioned to you before was a was a uh california uh young playwrights contest winner three thousand years ago but oh tori's giving me the uh the juice right yes like mm-hmm. Jordan. I like yep. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, but but um, our relationship continued and we've been in touch and seeing you flourish has just been so wonderful. And I have to say, seeing you as an actor, because when I found out that you were going to be in the white card, what did I do? I told you I'm going. <laughs> And so yeah. I drove. So Cecilia Kuma, the executive director of Playwrights Project, I, I texted her and I was like, oh my gosh, Jordan's going to be um, in the white card at UCSB. And, <laughs> and I was like, and I'm going to go. And yeah. she's like, I'm going to go too. And so, <laughs> and it was a super busy weekend for both of us, but we're like, screw it. We have to go see Jordan. And, and I was going to take the train, but this is a credit to Cecilia. She's like, I'll drive us. So we drove to Santa Barbara. We did like, yeah, we like hopped in the car at three o'clock in the afternoon, drove to Santa Barbara, saw the show, saw Jordan be amazing, had a great talk back and then drove back home. 
Wow. On the same day. So actually, I think it was was Sunday by the time we got home, but, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And you are, you are a wonderful writer and you are a wonderful actor. And I just, I just, I'm, I'm so lucky to have you in my life. Oh, shut up. No, I'm going to start crying. Don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was really fun. And then I don't know if you knew this. I got to meet Claudia Rankin during Black History Month. Because she came and was one of the like keynote speakers for Black History Month that the Multicultural Center was hosting. Um, so I got to go have dinner with Claudia Rankin. Wow. And, yeah, she signed my copy of the white <gasps> card and was like, Jordan, thank you for walking Charlotte into the world. Because we were the first college to get the rights to produce it as part really? of the season. Really? Yeah, I did so not I, know like, that. I like kind of originated that role. Like, what? Did she get to see you perform it? Yeah, they. I think they sent her a video of it. I think that's cool. Wow, Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it was really cool. And I got to leave (laughs) class early. I was like, "It's Black History Month. I have to go." (laughs) (laughs) So you're a sophomore over there now. Is that right? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the play that you wrote that um i it sounds like it was done on zoom though right why we march yes so why we march was a play that i wrote about a college activism club similar to like an emoja club or like a black student union but that focused on all issues um and they were called united x and they were going to this imagined aclu march that was supposed to be combining pretty much all of the events that happened during the trump presidency and protesting against them um, and so it was set in the night before the biggest mass protests in history, and it was inspired by the George Floyd protests. So I wrote it maybe, I think, six days into the George Floyd protests. I was just exhausted and heartbroken and all, all of the feelings surrounding that, that period of time, which seems so long ago, but also seems like five minutes ago at the same time. Um, and so I just kind of took all my feelings I had about that and channeled it into the why we march. Um, and I obviously wrote it with like in mind of it being produced in person. So it was really not difficult, but it was a bit of a challenge and just really interesting and like had to be really creative with how to translate that to Zoom. Um, and so instead of being someone who writes like for the medium, I try to figure out how to take what I'd envision on a stage and still be able to present it given the world that we're in right now. Um, so that was both kind of sad sometimes. You're like, oh, I know this would be great if we could do it in person, but it's still really, um, I was still glad that it got to be performed and the message I think is more important than the delivery. So I'm glad that people still got to see it. Um, it lives on my YouTube channel now, me and my eight subscribers. So. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to go subscribe. Don't worry. We'll we'll post a link and maybe um, you'll get nine subscribers. I only have three. I have three subscribers, Uh so you got me beat three three times as many subscribers. My TikTok that for some reason has like 1.7 million views. What? No, it's so bad. It's so funny. I met KJ Appa at Comic-Con. And I like edited the video of me meeting him and put music behind it. And for some reason, 1.7 million people liked it. And I'm always like, I know he has to be one of them. 
it had to make its way back Heck to him. Yeah. So yeah. Isn't that funny it's to fun. think about that? I love it. Yeah. Okay, so what Jordan just did happens all the time when we're talking. She mentions people that I'm like, who? What? Who are you? And then I have to I have to go hunt down these people. And um, but Jordan, I have to say, I don't know that it's gonna make it into the podcast, but she has some of the greatest Comic Con stories I have I ever heard. This girl just gets into some situations that she needs to have her own reality television show. So if somebody knows somebody who knows somebody, like bring this girl in. Like I mean, seriously. She's well, just give her I screen test, you 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 will fall in love. I just know Mabel told me the story about you getting tickets to Elton John, and I went, <laughs> What? That did happen. happen. Yes. Uh, I went through a Rocket Man phase during like summer of 2019. And I met Taryn Edgerton at Comic Con. And then my friend took a video of me just like being stupid and dancing to Honky Cat because that's my favorite Elton song. And I tweeted it to Elton. And I said, Sir Elton Hercules John, please give me tickets to your show so me and my brothers can throw it back to Honky Cat as a family. And he replied and gave us front row VIP tickets. I looked it cost $16,000 each. What? <laughs> that's how it's done, America. So wow. that's me and I'm What excites you about the theater? How how do we keep it alive and keep young people engaged and and wanting to go and wanting to be involved? I wouldn't be surprised if like when we come out of quarantine, suddenly everybody and their mama wants to be an actor because I've had so many people that I didn't know had any interest in theater at all. Like kids from high school where I'd be like, come see the drama club show. And they'd be like, you shut up. And now they're like, hey, how do I get into acting? Because we've all been locked inside for a year with nothing to do but binge watch. And at some point you start going, I could probably do that. <laughs> um, and so I think... And it's weird because it wasn't something I super cared about or was on a soapbox about like when we were in person. But now that we're not, I'm like, dude, I miss that connection. Like the, the entirety of theater is built on your connection with your scene partner, your connection with the audience, their connection to you. And it's like, that's something you can't recreate over Zoom, no matter how many virtual backgrounds you have or how good your mic is or whatever. Like that's just something we can't get in this current medium. So that's, I think, what makes me, when it's really hard to be like, oh, let me go emote in front of my Zoom camera for six hours. But like, I mean, <laughs> to that feeling and knowing like, well, at some point there has to be a return to that. At some point it'll all go back to quote normal. Um, I think that's the only way to really stay excited and stay engaged because it's hard. <laughs> there is a certain amount of fatigue that comes with it. And I miss seeing people in real life too, or IRL. Yeah, and it's like you don't know, you don't have any audience. It feels like on Zoom, almost everything feels like a dress rehearsal, almost because you can't see anyone in the audience watching you. You can't hear if a joke has a laugh to it. You can't right. hear if there's a gasp or anything. Like you, it just kind of feels like you're talking to yourself, and it's really hard. There's a lot. The stakes feel a lot lower because we're on Zoom. So like that's both a good thing and a bad thing because a lot of the time and a lot of my friends have also felt this way. It just feels like I'm actively getting worse at my craft. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I love to do. And oh. that's so hard because I haven't 
been on a stage or seen a scene partner or been in like seen an audience member in over a year at this point um so. I think there's definitely though an art that comes to Zoom acting or though or I mean just to to acting for the screen it because does. you are acting for a screen, right? It's it's yeah. its own art. But I agree with you. I know that um Fred Harlow, uh who who you had the opportunity to perform with not that long ago, um in the Valentine show, mm-hmm. he he talks about that element that is missing for him of not having the audience reaction i mean you know they're out there you know doing like whatever they do but... track, you know like <laughs> you know in theory you're supposed to be able to perform without an audience like if you go into like film um right. and have a live studio audience like you have to still be able to do your job but i don't think to this extent i don't think anyone was prepared for it right jordan were you in in theater when you were in high school I was. Yeah, I well, I for my first time acting was in first grade and it was like <laughs> we did a we did a after school program and I remember I played an elephant. <laughs> I don't remember the plot, but I know I was an elephant. Nice. Um and then I got into it in like 7th grade when I joined the drama club at my middle school and then did it all through high school too. And so the the scene that you wrote for that eventually became Feliz Cumpleaños. Was that a part of, was that a class or was that part of for the drama club or what was that for? That was for my theater class, my senior year of high school. And we had to write a three minute scene and we got like, we had to draw prompts out of a hat or something. Um, <laughs> so the prompts that I got was McDonald's. And <laughs> from that, somehow I wrote this end scene of Feliz Cumpleaños between Camila and Santiago. Um, and then from there, my drama teacher was like, hey, this is good. You should make this a play and send it to the thing. And then I did, and I won. So, yeah. And that was your first play, right? Yes. Wow. That's really, that's really <laughs> you know what I love, though, is you pulled out the like a setting, McDonald's, but you, it was just like a tiny springboard for you because you, you could have just said it at mcdonald's but you really thought of an issue that was important to you and then you were able to build mcdonald's was just like a small part of that it was really more about like what was compelling to you and what you wanted to uh give voice to so let's talk about what's coming up because in a few weeks the Love Project will be yes. plays by young writers at the 2021 festival. So um, where, what is that? Where did that come from? Tell <laughs> us about your, tell us about your latest and greatest work. Oh my, I wouldn't say greatest, but I do like it. Um, the Love Project was inspired also by my senior year of high school. I was in the class taught by Nina Marie Ochoa at Francis Parker, and it was reading the Victorian mind. Um, so we read a lot of Oscar Wilde, we read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, Frankenstein, Villette, like we read all of the classic Victorian literature, but we also talked a lot about chronology, spiritualism, and sexuality, because like Oscar Wilde was put on trial for homosexuality, um, and Dorian Gray was used as evidence against him in court. So I don't know, that was the best class I've ever taken. Nina Maria Ochoa is best teacher I've ever had hands down. Um, 
And so I learned a lot. Definitely am a bit of a witch. Um, and that definitely came from all the stuff I learned in that class. My party trick is always doing phrenological profiles of people, which phrenology was like, I mean, it's like racist or whatever, but I'm black. We should establish that on the podcast. <laughs> phrenology is when you study like the bumps and the dents in the human skull to determine traits. So like if you have a bump in the lower right portion of your skull, then that means that you will never be a mother. What? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I don't know why I just felt mine. I already had a kid, but. But it's like, it's like if the traits in excess, like it's so 180, you'll be like, oh, you'll never find love or you will be a sexual predator. Like it's just full 180s on the scale, but I can do a full <laughs> phrenological profile. Wow. Anyway, love project. <laughs> so it was inspired by that class that I took and we did these senior capstone projects, which was basically you had to find a way to make some profound learning about everything you've studied in, in English class throughout high school, connect it to the theme of the class you were in and do some kind of creative work to put an end to your high school English career. Um, I ended up doing a, <laughs> writing an episode of Monk, like the show with Tony Shalhoub. Oh my God. <laughs> I wrote my own episode of Monk that was inspired by Victorian and dystopian literature because those are the two classes I was taking. Um, I had a friend who played soccer. It was like a bit of a jock. And then he made these like beautiful pottery sculptures. And we were like, Bryce, where did that come from? Where's oh, wow. that intervention? So it was really cool because you got to we got to learn a lot about our classmates. Like I would have never thought that boy would sit down and like craft a rose with his bare hands, you know? Like, <laughs> right. like it was crazy. Everyone got really even like people you wouldn't expect or who didn't really care about school or anything, because it was like right before graduation, senioritis had already hit everyone. But you saw people got like really, really into the literature and into themselves with these projects. So that's what inspired the love project. The premise is these kids are in a similar English class. Theirs is about like love and romance and all that. And so one of the students, Henry's project is asking all of the ladies in the class, like, tell me all your questions about love or whatever. And he makes this algorithm to sort all of the ladies into anonymous forum. And Ronnie, who is a boy in the class, Ronnie's name accidentally gets picked up and they think he's a girl. And now Ronnie's in the love project. Um, so that's a long roundabout way of me saying what the heck the play is about. <laughs> what have you learned as a playwright from this process? So it's been interesting to kind of like see what I think is important as the playwright and then what someone thinks is important as a dramaturge versus what someone thinks is important just as an audience member and then as an actor and everyone has these different focal points that they found that they were like, oh, I missed that line. I thought that was so essential. And I was like, you did? <laughs> or they'll be like, oh my God, this is my favorite line in the play. And I'm like, it is? <laughs> like, it's so funny to see how everyone has different ideas and interpretations of even like the smallest lines, which was something I didn't notice as much with Feliz Cumpleaños as I did with this one. Um, but yeah. 
But you've had more of an opportunity to be involved with this one because everything's happening through Zoom. Is it safe to That's say? Because true. with Feliz Cumpleaños, you were um, <laughs> you were already you were it was your freshman year, right? So so yeah. you were in Santa Barbara, and so <laughs> you you had to like Skype in every once in a while when you could get away. But for the most part, you've been yeah. really active well, in this, right? It has been different, yeah. Um, because I have been able to go to like production meetings and rehearsals this time because they're on Zoom. Whereas last year, I only went to one table read, I think. You got through it and you had a beautiful um, opening night. And, uh, and well, you know, I really liked Feliz Copleonius. Like I didn't like it when we were doing it. And I was like, oh, it's not good. No one's gonna <laughs> like it. But I look back at it and I'm like, that was a good, I did that. <laughs> All right, Tori. We are at the part of the show when we have to do our asking for a friend. Yes. Do you have a question? What's something that not many people know about you? I don't know. I overshare constantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe that's it. No, no, that can't be it. Um, I guess that... I got my tarot read and it said that like it described my soulmate and the description was just Harry Styles. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I had someone pull tarot cards for me and do a reading yeah. of me. Was, uh, consult their crystals, do a full spiritual reading of me as she was reading me all of the traits of my soulmate and I'm sitting there and she's like he's like Six three. Um, he's really like high profile right now, and he's gonna make like a big announcement soon. And he's a oh my god, I can't remember what sign he is, but she said his sign and all that. And I was like, that is Harry Styles. <laughs> and then he right after that, Harry Styles announced he was gonna be in that movie with Florence Pugh, and I was like, oh my god, I think my soulmate Harry Styles. So uh, <laughs> we'll <sorry>. see. <laughs> hey, you know. It could happen. Let's turn to something beautiful. Mm. All right. So Jordan. <laughs> yes. Do you have a writing exercise for our listeners? Okay. So this is kind of uh, wacky, but <laughs> if if you were to create a new Muppet, what would it be? <laughs> Sorry, I've been on a Muppets kick lately because I recently remember that Manor Muppet is an Academy Award winning song. And I think that's just common knowledge everyone should have. Um, and then Mavelle has all her Muppets behind her in oh, the background. Yeah. So I just think it's, I think that's a little, it's a little, little fun, little quirky. I like it. I love it. Although, Jordan, have you been watching the Muppet show on, have you been watching it? Like, because they put it on Disney Plus? Yeah. Yeah. So have you seen that they, there's now a disclaimer for on the show? Like, hey, this this episode, in like really tiny tiny letters. There's, there's, um, this show has representations that may be considered offensive, blah, 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 blah. That's like this so whole funny. thing, like before the, the I, show plays. Uh... I had never seen that. I had heard it was a thing, but I'd never seen it before. And I was watching donald duck cartoons and my brothers and i fell down a rabbit hole of watching donald cartoons oh. and we got one that came up and it was like warning like this yeah. is sensitive we we acknowledged these were wrong then and they're <gasps> wrong now what? and it was hard to watch it because we were like what is donald gonna do like is he about to call me the n-word like, oh my god <laughs> they're like what is oh this gonna no. but it was so unsettling 
to watch it with the disclaimer because they don't say like what it is. So we were just sitting there like, what are we watching? Jordan, you have uh, a big show coming up. We're super, I'm super proud of you and excited for you. And you continue to blow my mind. You text me like, I got this and I'm doing this. And I I just like, (laughs) all I do is the star emojis. Yeah, me sending you a screenshot of me on Michelle Obama's Instagram. (laughs) So yes. What? Yes. Ah, I was, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Michelle, I got to go to Michelle Obama's college signing day in 2019 when I committed to UCSB. Um, And so on May 1st, she posted to be like, oh, college students are doing so great in the pandemic and all that. And it was a picture of me at college signing day. Yep. What? Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, this, this girl... Elton John, Michelle Obama, <laughs> amongst all many these people others. that are on the CW shows that <laughs> I don't remember their names. I know. I'm excited to see what happens next. I need mm-hmm. to follow you on TikTok and Insta. <laughs> whatever really all those things are, I need. I need to follow you. Yeah. I'm gonna go to your YouTube channel and subscribe because. Uh, who knows what's gonna pop up on there <laughs> yeah well you can i write up for her campus ucsb so you can read some of my articles <gasps> Love it. jordan did your euphoria article go up already it did yes okay so i watched it euphoria? yes so i watched oh. it jordan and we haven't had a post a post um euphoria conversation which we need to have but we'll save oh, yes. that for another That's time cool. We'll save that for another time. But uh, yeah. for now, um, so Jordan's play, The Love Project, is going to be featured on the 2021 Plays by Young Writers Festival. Yes. Get your tickets at playwrightsproject.org. It's going to be a virtual um, festival. So wherever you are in the world, you can watch it. And it's going to be amazing. I know that this is your second winning script, but this is only the beginning for you. So um, many more great things to come. I am sure of it. Thanks. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. You're a college student. You're busy. We know. So yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. So today we have a bonus guest. Tori, tell us who we've got today. Who's our, who's our special guest? Oh, Oh, at long last, we have Cecilia Kuma on the podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> the executive director of Playwrights Project. She has taught theater and playwriting in San Diego and Los Angeles County since 1992. She was the associate director of the Armory Center for the Arts for 11 years before joining Playwrights Project in 2000. She initiated the Playwrights Project community programs beginning in 2009, focusing on current and former foster youth and later expanded the program to serve military veterans and individuals who have experienced incarceration, addiction, and homelessness. In addition to commissioning, developing, and producing hundreds of original works by youth and adults, she has devised plays with the foster care community and incarcerated populations, which have been produced inside the facility and in the community. She has been a part of the production team for Playwrights Project Plays by Young Writers Festival for 20 seasons. 
I am so proud and excited to introduce Cecilia Kuma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we talk about you often. You are in many ways the third musketeer um, to this uh, to this crazy <laughs> outfit. Um, you are the, among other things, the executive director of a very important organization. So tell us a little bit about Playwrights Project. Hey, well, good to be here with my friends and colleagues. I love teaching with you guys, and I'm so grateful to be on your show. Thanks. Um, so Playwrights Project's been around since 1985. Uh, it is, began as an education program with San Diego Unified School District and um, a theater company. Um, but when the theater company um, went away, uh, Deborah Salzer, who founded Playwrights Project, created a nonprofit. From the very beginning, the program has been in schools teaching young people to write plays and uh, bringing in professional actors to show them how valuable their ideas and stories and writing is. And um, it's continued to do that. So ever since uh, the beginning, Deborah Salzer had uh, been presenting plays, um, professionally produced plays by young people called Plays by Young Writers. And this is the 36th season of the festival. Um, I have been here for 20 years and loving it. Just I'm always, always amazed by the fresh, brilliant ideas that the young people have and getting to hear those come alive and see them come alive. It's really a thrill. You have a very unique perspective. A lot of people have this idea that theater is for, for adults, for a certain demographic, and you know a completely different side of theater. So can you please talk to us about why Plays by Young Writers is such an important festival? Plays by Young Writers, it is written by young people, but the ideas, the stories, the characters are not necessarily young people. I mean, certainly there are often characters who are the same age as the writers, but the ideas are so much bigger than anyone would envision. And it, they're dealing with everything that is happening in the world and the things we don't even think kids notice. Um, but it's, uh, that's why I think it's so important. It's not theater for young audiences. It's theater about meaty bits of information that need to be discussed and need to be processed. And young people have amazing perspectives and you know they, they're gonna solve the problems that we haven't been able to solve. They're brilliant. So um, yeah, it's really important. I think the ability to be able to express yourself through theater is rare. It's a unique gift that you all have as playwrights um, to be able to see the world from one person's point of view, but not only that point of view, to be able to look at the other characters in the story, to be able to look at the challenges, the opportunities, to to you know let those the problems unfold and, and you know rub against each other and cause friction so that then we're wanting a solution. Um, and we're rooting for those characters to overcome and to achieve. And um, so all of that wonderful stuff that we as adults need to be encouraging in our youth, of our youth, is for them to be able to explore their ideas, to, to voice opinions that may differ from others, to look at lifestyles that are different from their own, to come up with their new own fresh ideas about life and, um, and yeah, solve problems because that, it's, it's inspiring. There are amazing wisdom that comes from those plays. 
Can you go walk us through the process of what a playwright goes through when their play has been selected for production? Yes, in theory. And then, Mabel, you've been through it, so you could probably elaborate <laughs> on the reality and the feelings behind it all. But um, we, we make it known that having won the contest, your work is not finished. You are then going to be paired with a writing mentor who is a dramaturg who is going to help process your ideas with you, make sure that your message is clear. Um, but they are, you know, they are a guide through this world. Um, everything that is written comes from that playwright with hopefully some well-posed questions. And, and then when the, the playwrights have not only worked with the dramaturg, they have also, they also get the opportunity to go to the rehearsals, to go to the production meetings, to hear what the set designers thinking, what the costume designers thinking, um, what questions they have to answer questions and to guide their decision-making as the director too, as they guide the director in their vision for the play um, to bring it all together under their particular focus on how it gets presented. Um, and so the play continues to evolve through the rehearsal process where there's the opportunity to see what's working, what might not sound right, what might be stopping the flow, uh, what questions actors have. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a very immersive process for a writer. And you know, one thing I really appreciate about it, uh, the process as well, that Playwrights Project, uh, this opportunity that is provided for students is that they are getting that real world experience too. They, um, they may come up against questions that they hadn't thought about, right? An opportunity to revise. They may disagree with some of the suggestions, but then what a great opportunity to defend their choices in the script or to you know walk away think about it and, and come back in and do some of the revision and see if it works. Right. I mean, it's just these real real life opportunities of working with professional actors, a professional directors and designers. It's such a gift. No, I was going to say, I think I've talked to a lot of playwrights who've said it's every playwright's dream, right, oh, to have that opportunity. It, it really is that you don't often have that opportunity to when when you have the work done to then also be in the room and to continue to to refine the work um, and to learn from you know what's happening on the stage. Yeah, and also to inform, maybe it's not the writing that has to change. Maybe it's the actor's interpretation and they just need a little bit more backstory. It's a great process. I think uh, it's a truly a gift for the young writers to have. Can I interject and say yeah. that uh, Mabel is a two-time winner of plays by young writers? Oh, <laughs> yes, very true. Yeah. So, okay, carry on. I have to say that uh, we've been talking about this, right? We've been talking about this with with some of our guests about how to how to keep young people engaged in theater, especially now because you know there is no live theater in the traditional sense happening, right? It's all virtual, and like we're getting into the what is considered theater and what you know is recorded. The like, what does that all mean? However, uh. And, and, you know, and, and people have been not feeling super optimistic about it, but I will say that had it not been for Playwrights Project, so, and this, and we're talking about no pandemic or anything, just life happening. Had it not been for Playwrights Project, I don't think that I would have had a life in theater. So this organization really opened my world up and changed the course of my life simply because it made me a theater maker. So as I, I wasn't an actor, 
you know, but I was a stakeholder. I was fully invested because I was given the power to tell my story and to understand what it means to be a creative collaborator. Because my experience, my my first experience uh, writing a play was the, the play that won um, the, the festival back in, I feel like it was a million <laughs> years ago. Uh, I remember being at the Playwrights Project office and sitting around the table with these actors. And man, we had such a great cast. It was, it was a play about Santa Claus and a little Jewish boy. And we had the most amazing cast, the most amazing director, Cynthia Stokes. And, and then Deborah was my mentor. How lucky was I? Deborah Salzer was my mentor. And first of all, the one thing that, that I, that hit me right away is people are taking my work seriously. I'd always Mm. been a writer. I had always been a writer. I was always writing. I was always sharing my work. I was not shy about anything, but you know, my audience was my classmates you know, whatever. But to have these strangers, these adults, taking my work seriously, whoa, that was mind-blowing. And then to hear their feedback, the questions that they would have. Even though I remember the, the, um, the actor playing the rabbi had a question like, this doesn't make sense. And I was like, he's right. It doesn't make I started, I was defending my position. And then I was like, as I was talking through it, I was like, wait a minute, you're right. That doesn't make sense. And uh, and it was just such a such a mind-blowing experience, but totally agree. Such a gift. Such a gift. Had no idea what what it would be like. And when I finally um when we finally got to it was the Cassius Carter at the at the time, the the old globe theater in the round. Uh, and when I got to see, I, I just remember going to to tech. <gasps> I it just <laughs> blew my mind and then opening night and oh my and I got a standing ovation and I was like what is happening (laughs) it was so beautiful and magical that I was hooked it was the most incredible oh my gosh most incredible experience ever I yeah yeah I'm so sorry the students won't get to have that experience and the ability to hear the audience on the other end it's such a frustration Mm -hmm. with the online theater but Um, yeah but hopefully for the students that are being produced this season, hopefully they uh, will be hooked in enough that they will continue to write and submit so that when the world does open up again someday that they can hear the responses from the audience because there, there truly is nothing like it. We talked about right. that being in that Absolutely. shared space, being in that shared space, hearing the audience sigh, gasp, cry, yeah. laugh. Yeah. You, can't, you yeah. know, Playwrights Project actually changed the course of my life as well. And that came um, from Cecilia taking, uh, taking a chance on me and, you know, working with me, offering me a position as a teaching artist, because uh, I didn't know that that was a job that existed. <laughs> I, remember, I remember listening to your monologue that you had written and were performing. And I thought, she should be a teacher. I wonder if she's a teacher. <laughs> she needs to be a teaching artist. She has yeah. just a, that way about her that's very uh, welcoming and informed. And well, no. yeah. So. But so thank you for that. Because <laughs> boy, it sure, it, it, it's just been a blast. I've I've enjoyed the work um, with the people of all ages that we work with. It's it's just wonderful. Um, yeah, and, and Cecilia, in one of the community programs, um, 
you started the Telling Stories program. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. We have been working in schools, as I said, since the beginning of time, since 1985. Um, <laughs> and um, so we serve a variety of schools from throughout the county. The schools that have been most served by the program in ways, you know, that, that they have been surprised by its impact have been those who have been justice-involved youth or system-involved youth. So foster youth, kids in juvenile hall, where they'll they'll say, why does anybody want to hear my story? Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody's going to believe it. They, Whenever I tell my truth, they, t they say I'm telling stories. And so when we started the st Telling Stories program, that name came from foster former foster youth who we were working with to tell their stories through theater. And so uh, that program evolved because we were realizing youth were aging out of the system. They were getting in, at a very fragile place in, in their lives where they needed to have a voice, they needed to have a connection. Um, we were working in schools, but we hadn't really been working with them outside of that. And so we started the program. We, we went into group homes Mabel had taught in group homes and um, and their their living rooms there. Um, we we worked with groups in you know school uh, offices, you know school conference rooms, um, wherever we could find space to get them to gather with us and either help them to craft their own stories or to bring in a playwright who would then listen and create a play from their stories that they would have ownership of in terms of, you know, they they would look it over. They would say, this is true. This is not true. Oh, you have to add this. Oh, no, please don't say that. Right. So, so very much their work, which was channeled through a professional playwright and, and both Mabel and Tori have done that for us as well. And it, and it is, uh, it's an amazing thing. It really is educational for the audience, um, engaging, meaningfully, emotionally connecting for the audiences, um, but also for those who are telling their stories to hear that other people get them. I think that's what this is all about, right? Oh, right. you get me. I'm not alone. We're connected. One of the reasons I asked you that question is because what I heard Mabel saying was, uh, people were listening to me, adults were listening yeah. to me, other people were hearing this story and feeling something, having emotional responses mm -hmm. to it. And I feel like um, that's what I've heard too in, in the room with um, the students that we've worked with. Wow, I didn't think I would get that response, you know? Right. So again, just uh, such a wonderful experience to, right. to feel like you're being heard, like you're yeah. being listened to. And, we, and we've had that same impact in the other community groups that we've also worked in. And, and both of you have been involved in pretty much all of it. So from, from our, the stories of immigration um, in our um, Borderlines uh, program, um, our Out of the Yard program with incarcerated playwrights and returned citizens, that, that powerful opportunity to express your story, to feel heard, to find connection, to realize that you are a member of this community, this larger community beyond any label that has been imposed upon you um, in the past and that you create your path. It, it's been a really incredible experience and um, you know, working with the returned writers has been super awesome, as you both know, um, and uh, also those in recovery. Um, with struggling with addiction and trying to overcome, you know, the hardships of that and to co continually maintain um, yourself and grow yourself and hopefully uh, re receive that unconditional acceptance that so often, you know, 
people who are at the end of the rope have, have burned a lot of bridges and some people have given up on them. And so to continue to send that message of there is, there is someone worth saving. There is someone worth ex- reminding that they're loved, you know, not that we're the saviors. I don't mean to ever impose that, but that they are worthy of saving themselves because it's ultimately up to each of us to do our own path, but to, to help provide that, that outlet for um, self-expression, I think is, is really wonderful for all of us. Cause I can't, you know, you both know that it's not even just the individual sharing their story that is growing and mind is expanding and hearts are expanding. It's, it's everybody in the room with them. It's, right, it's that right. audience, it's the teaching artist, it's the peers, it's whoever has the opportunity to hear that authentic communication. Cause really ultimately it's all about communication and feeling safe to be brave about discussing things that are hard to discuss. I, I really appreciate what you're saying because we're all storytellers, right? That's that's mm-hmm. how we communicate. We're storytellers, but I think we just provide some tools to yeah. tell this story in in a theatrical form, right? right? Right. And if you don't tell your own story, other people are going to tell it for you and they may not say it the way you want it told. Oh, <laughs> and they may not have the full yeah. understanding because nobody does except you. Right. So, Mabel, right. Mabel says that <laughs> all the yeah. time. All right, Cecilia, so um, we know that uh, Plays by Young Writers is coming up. So what are the dates for that? March 11th through the 13th. It's this week. Oh, exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited. And people can get their tickets. Yeah, playwrightsproject.org. Go online. You can find it there. Um, and it will be 6 p.m. from the comfort of your own room, your own living room. And the plays are produced on Zoom, but it's slightly different because for three of the five, we have um, actors who are in their own, their own home. Um, so it is a family of actors, the Heil family. It's not just Zoom boxes. It's, yeah, they get to actually be interacting. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, and, nice. so even that's though we exciting. don't get to be live with them, they're live with each other. It, it helps. It's beautiful. And then uh, after that, we have um, plays coming up at San Diego State. We have a part- wonderful partnership with San Diego State's theater department in which we bring pl- scripts that have been developed in our community program and the theater students perform them. And this year we have theater students who are directing and performing the plays and uh, it, they're all focused on reentry. So it's a great opportunity to learn about uh, what it means to be, what it feels like to be incarcerated and then the challenges of coming home and um, love the plays. They're wonderful. The writers have all done an extraordinary job. And we'll have some of our returned writers who are in our writing circle for the post-performance discussions. Um, Some of them will actually be performing small pieces. Um, So it's just going to be a really wonderful opportunity. What are the dates for that? And that is April 22nd through the 24th. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Can't wait to see that. Always. It's it's just so much going on with Playwrights Project and so many opportunities um, and for the community to enjoy the plays that are created through the program and for people to see their work performed. So Cecilia, as you know, the show is about getting getting people to work. No excuses to write. So um, we already have a writing prompt from Jordan, but since this is a two-for episode, we would like to get a writing prompt from you. Do you have a writing prompt to leave our listeners with? Yes. So what I think sitting here with my friends here in this interview, the inspiration for me would be 
Um, and thinking about one of the plays in the in the festival is about a mother and a son who are um, in their homes during um, during COVID, and they are have manifested their overwhelming emotion into a character. So one of them has fear, and the other has worry. And so they come alive and there's an exchange between the four characters. So I challenge you to think of an emotion that you are feeling um, and to interview the, create a dialogue or an interview with that emotion and yourself. Oh, that That's is a great one. Cool. Yeah. Oh. Oh, look, look, the, wheel, the wheels are turning. I can see it. <laughs> That's a good one. That's Do we have an asking for a friend? I have like, one. In 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for? Ooh. Question. Wow. Wouldn't it be crazy if they were nostalgic for communicating on Zoom because everybody was just together and not on technology anymore? <laughs> that would be insane, right? <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. I would like that. I feel like we're such social creatures and it's such a struggle to have to not be around each other, even just to breathe the same air. Mm -hmm. hmm. Tori, what do you think? 40 years from now, what are people going to be nostalgic for? Oh, I don't know. I get nervous. I hope it's not nature. Mm, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I have a similar response, sort of, but not really. Um, 40 years from now, are people going to be nostalgic for meat? Mm. Because I, I was yes. hearing, like, would you eat lab-created food so there's you know lab created cheese and lab created beef all right all right cecilia thank you so much for joining us today this has been so much fun i can't wait to see the festival i'm sure it's going to be uh magical in its own special way um it'll be different but i'm sure it'll still be equally as wonderful as years past so thank you so much for joining us oh thank you it's been a pleasure i miss thank seeing you up you both and it's so great to be here thank you thank you cecilia tori Wow. Yeah. What a show. So you know where my heart is. Plays by Young Writers is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity, experience, um, festival. I hope that people go watch it. I hope that, especially if you have young writers in your life, please check out uh, playwrightsproject.org. Check out the festival. It's super inspiring. If there is a writer, a young writer in your life, um, we definitely encourage you to check it out and see if they want to submit uh, for the festival next year. It's a wonderful opportunity and it is free to enter. And there, there's really not that many opportunities that are free to submit. And you can give feedback. You can give feedback from a professional in the theater world. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, check out the festival. We will include the dates for that as well as the SDSU performance. And yeah, until next time. Until next time, if you found value in this show, please like, wait, like, like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and please give us a review. We, yes. we, uh, we love the reviews. Um, so. Please, please give us a rating. Um, that's that's what it is in the social media world. Validate Great. us. Validate us.
I've been waiting my whole life for you, dear listener, to validate me and Tori. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. All Until right. next time. Ciao. Bye.